Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And that was a question. Like, who told you that? Where'd you get that information from, Eve? Been talking to the devil. Got bad information. Who told you that? It's a great question to ask somebody with heresy. Where'd you get that from? Sometimes we act like the burden is on us. When somebody's lying on God, for real, where'd you get that from? I love to see the source. Where'd you get that? Where'd you hear that? That untruth. Doesn't the Bible say? No, no. Where, where did it? Where, can you show me where it says that? We'd love to read that. We'd love to see where the Bible says that right there. Because it doesn't say it. But you can't say that unless you know your Bible, right? But we got to be in the book ourselves. Stay rooted in the word of the Lord. Today, you learn from Pastor Bill's message to stay grounded in the Bible. There is all sorts of false teaching and false information in the world. As a believer, you have to stay on guard and alert from these false teachings. One of the best ways to do that, Pastor Bill explains, is by staying rooted in your faith and in the Word. Take time each day to be in the Bible. Read and study it so you can know what truth really is. This way, you'll be more prepared when the lies come up. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. With doing a work for God, anybody that's in ministry, anybody that's in service to the Lord, you understand that with your service, with your ministry, what you're doing, there comes warfare, there comes an attack of the enemy. These things will be, and it's okay. It's, it's part of the court, you know, for you guys to know, we, we, we got the keys to the building last week on Friday at 2.30, um, the week of the picnic. And then that Saturday morning of the picnic at 4.30 in the morning, somebody broke five windows, sprayed off a fire extinguisher, poked holes in the drywall. And I, for me, I'm like, that was, I got excited. Like, man, the enemy is, he's like, let me see if I can't get him discouraged now. I'm going to shake up some stuff and bust some windows. And it, for me, that was that was better. I'd rather that than just, I mean, because if everything just is going smooth, I'm like, it's coming from somewhere. I'm, I'm praying over my family. I'm looking out for the marriage. I got to keep everything super tight. I don't know where the warfare is coming from, but it was like, okay, you just, you broke some window, you know, and, and, and we keep it pushing, right? The Lord is great. It's a cool thing as a believer. We know we're in a battle, but don't we already know we won? Like how, how cool is it to be at war, but already know that, that, that the war is won. Like that you're fighting from the position of victory already because the Lord goes before us. The Lord does all the fighting. Might get sucker punched over here, might get something over here, but everything that surprises me, that's my first thing I pray when something shocks me. I'm like, God, you saw this before it happened. Before I knew it was coming, you knew, you knew yesterday this was going to be not a shock to you. You know how I'm supposed to respond. You know what your will is. You know why you allowed it because Satan can only do what you allow him to do. So even if you allow the enemy a little bit of movement, it's even in that all things are working together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we, I just, we start meditating on those things and, and recognizing that, yep, Paul said, there's a great and effective door. I mean, the opportunity for me to do a work for God is great, but so is the battle. So is the warfare. Um, and we got to just be okay with that. Um, Paul endured tremendous warfare because Paul did a tremendous work for God. There are some people, there are some Christians that just a little bit of dust gets kicked up and they just fall all the way back and say, like, I got you. That's what I wanted. A little, little bit of discouragement. I, I can't serve. I can't do it anymore. That's what he wanted. Um, be, be careful about being that way, you know, so easily just just kicked off, um, kick, kicked off of, you know, whatever God had called us to do. Discouragement will come. Warfare will come. There'll, there'll be times of battle. Um, and, and we got to just stay the course. We got to stay in the fight. And so moving on, verse 10, it says, and if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace that he may come to me. 
uh, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. So Paul is also saying, I, I send young Timothy. Some of you guys are with us as we went through first and second Timothy. Uh, one of the things about the Timothy's nature was that uh, it would seem that he was more of a timid person. Paul was always Paul was encouraging, hey, be bold, you know, take charge, preach the word. You know, the all the exhortations to Timothy seem like the things that you would exhort someone that was a little bit timid, a little bit, you know, a little bit soft. And um, and God told Timothy in first Timothy, he says, hey, let no one despise your youth. Right. Don't anybody despise you because you're young. You be thou an example to the believer in your word and your conduct and your purity and in your love. You make sure that your life is a your life says that, yeah, I'm young, but I'm but I'm doing, but I'm not to be despised in my youth. And there could be people that there you could be young in age, but mighty in God. Amen. And we have to leave room for that. There's some young people that's like, man, you're young and maybe immature in some respects, but they could be mighty in God. That's why we want to pour in our young people. That's why we want to speak God's word to them and build them up and give them opportunity to, to express their love for the Lord and grow in their gifts in God. Because age is, Paul said, don't despise, don't, don't let anybody despise your youth. And as Paul sends Timothy in, it makes me think that maybe he just didn't carry himself. Um, Paul, you know, maybe he, he carried himself with a different kind of authority. They didn't like it either because, you know, Paul was strong. And they say, hey, when he comes, y'all, in verse 10, he says, Timothy, when he comes, see that he may be with you without fear. And I'm thinking like, like, you know, either this church is really bad to pastors and Paul said, y'all don't be mean to him and make him be afraid when he gets there. Or Timothy is really timid and can be made scary. And Paul's kind of fixing that. Or it might be a combination of both. Either way, that's a weird. If, if I said, if I told you guys, hey, guys, next week, I, I'm not going to be here. I got a uh, pastor. Clint's going to be here. Yeah, don't don't run him off. That would that would say something about you guys. You know, I, I got a friend pastor going to be coming next to you. Can you guys don't run them? That's my friend. Can y'all be nice? I love the guy. Can you can y'all not run him off? That would say that y'all are kind of a rough crowd. Right. That's what I'm getting from this. You know, Paul said, hey, hey, I want to be here in fear and please don't despise him. That tells me that the Corinthians, they was kind of tough on pastors. That's 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 my interpretation. You know, we don't have to fight over it. But moving on, verse 11, he says, therefore, let no one despise him once again, but send him on his journey in peace that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. So Timothy not only worked with Paul, he served Paul. And Paul's letter to Timothy says, I have no one else like-minded like him. I can't tell you how valuable it is to be able to serve God with people that are like-minded. Someone that you can send in your name and say, he'll do what I would want him to do. That Paul Peter, Paul could say of Timothy that he knows my heart. You know, if, if, if I'm not there, I'd rather him be there. You know, he'll, he'll know what I would want done, so forth and so on. That's the relationship Paul had with Timothy. I don't have, there's no one else like him to me. Um, for some of us, maybe we have that with our spouse. You know, if I, me and my wife, if I can't be somewhere, if, if Mika there, she hears like I hear. She, I mean, if she can, re, she can relate something to me. If I miss a meeting, if at least one of us are there, we feel like we were there because she can hear how I would hear and vice versa. You know, that's Paul's relationship with young Timothy. And it is a blessing, you know. For me here, you know, if I got to be gone, I, I thank God for Pastor Clint, you know, Clint's somebody that I can say, if I can't be here, if I can leave everything with Clint, I don't feel like I have to call. You know, when I leave, if me and my wife go away and Clint's in charge, I don't call, you know, how's it going? Is it right there? You know, it's like, he's there, you know, like, I know he'll deal with stuff that comes up. I know he got a Swiss blade for any real problems that show up, you know, I know we good, you know, think it'll be all right. So it's a blessed thing. And so I just would encourage everybody here, it's, um, many times it's said, every. Everybody needs a Paul and a Timothy. You know, everybody needs someone in your life that they're really pouring into you and you receive from them. And we all need someone that we're also pouring into, you know, that 
Um, I'm never I'm never done. I'm never grown to the point where I don't need. I always need people pouring into me. And thank God he's always provided men in my life that that I can look up to that I can receive from that are speaking into my life. And then God said to make sure that you're also in turn reaching out to some other people and pouring into them. And so just your Christian duty, you know, to make sure that you're receiving and being poured in. Some people are bad receivers. And if you're a bad receiver, you won't have much value to pour down. Um, that's what I find. People that don't receive very well because they know everything, they usually make other people just like them. So you, you, you need to be humble enough to receive and gracious enough to give. But some people are only willing to give. Some people receive all day, but they won't give it out. We want to do both. Amen. So moving on now, he says, um, now, verse 12, now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. So I thought this is interesting. We know Apollos is a mighty man of God as well. Um, strong in word. Um, he was the one that Aquila and Priscilla really discipled and poured into. And they saw that he was strong in spirit and they just he just needed a few little pointers and stuff like that. And so Paul said, look, I, I strongly urged him to come, but he was quite unwilling. And doesn't say why he was unwilling, just says that he was. I like a couple things here. Um, I like one. Paul wasn't commanding and demanding Apollos. He was urging. I'm urging you. I'm encouraging you to go. But but at the same time, recognizing that, you know, you, you, you know, I mean, he had the liberty and the freedom to say, I don't feel willing to go. There's something about Christian leadership. We're not and it's, and in a particular pastoral ministry. You lead sheep, but, but you don't drive sheep. You know, you drive buffalo. There's some there's some stubborn animals out there. You get behind them and you got to be poking them and driving them and whipping them. But not sheep. Sheep are to be led. Right. And so Paul said, I urged him. Uh, I'm an apostle. You know, I'm, I'm Paul's kind of a big deal. But he said, but he had the liberty to say, nah, I don't I don't I'm not not right now. I'm not going to do it right now. That's OK. There's some room for that. You know, he wasn't it wasn't a command to do something. You know, it wasn't like a command to obey God's word or do what the Bible says. He's Paul. Said, I really would like you to go here. But he was like, nah, I don't. I, I, for whatever reason, we don't know why Apollos was quite unwilling to go. But. There's room for that. It's left there. Now he gives some very strong exhortations in verses 13 and 14. And I'm going to come back to these at the very end, but I want to I want to walk through them real quick with you guys. These are commands. I'm going to read them all through and I'll go back through each one. He says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all things let, let all that you do be done with love. And as he's given these kind of closing these are exhortations, each word of this, each one. The first one, watch. Definition is to be vigilant, to be awake. Metaphorically is to give strict attention or to be cautious, to be active. And Paul is saying, I want you guys to be alert, be awake right now. Why, why watch? Because we're living in a time you can't be, we're, we're at war. We're, we're serving the Lord. We're doing a work for God. You need to be awake. You can't be out here playing games. You can't be out here just unaware of what's happening in the spiritual realm. There are people that are spiritually unaware. They've lost sight of what God's doing right now. And, and because of that, there are people that are they're 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 in a position to serve and a place to help. They, they know enough of the word to be able to do something for the Lord, but they're not awake. They're not they're not watching, not not watching that. Man, my neighbors, my neighbors don't even know the Lord. I haven't even told them yet. I haven't tried yet. You know, my my kids are falling under my roof, my kids, it's happening under my, I'm not, I'm not watchful. I'm not praying. And the idea of watching is being prayerful and careful. As parents, you better be. 
Some of us are losing our kids under our own roof, pouring in their own bedrooms and listening to stuff that the devil put out in, in the devices that you gave them, like under your care, in your room, in your house, you're paying for it. You need to be watchful. Be praying about what should and shouldn't be in your house, what liberties and liberty, what liberties they should and shouldn't have at a given time. Um, be watchful. Be watchful. Be vigilant um, because there is a war and it's, it's for everything. Um, we need to be watchful in our, our first personally in your own life. Watchful over your marriages. Watchful over your kids. Watchful over everything God put under your care. Be watchful. Be awake. Be attentive to the things that are going on. And again, watching is always kind of kind of connected with prayer. I'm watching and I'm praying. I'm watching what's going on. I'm alert. I'm aware. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that right there. I'm, a, I'm aware of what's going on over here so I can be praying so I can give proper attention to it. But I'm not walking around like everything's hunky-dory at wartime. You know, there, there are times where we're to be on kind of a heightened alert. Um, and as believers, that's how we're to live. We're, we're to live in a state of just heightened awareness. That mean we can never have fun. I mean, you always got to be uptight and looking like this. No, but but you need to be. You can be alert and aware without looking weird. Amen. I hope y'all know that because some people are just alert and they just they, you, you can get weird with that. So I want to be clear. You you can be alert and aware without looking weird and being weird and you know speaking in King James Elizabethan and English only. You know, just be be alert, be be aware of what's going on around you spiritually. Second second exhortation. He said, "Watch." He said, "Stand fast in the faith." And the idea of, of standing fast is to. I think in the old King James, um, well, standing fast, it's, it's, it's holding your ground, not being not being moved from a position. It's steadfast. Same thing you said at the end of uh, in chapter 15, verse 58, steadfast and movable. Stand fast in the faith. Why would he say that to the Corinthians? Because they had already let the, the idea of the resurrection go. They weren't standing fast. He says, guys, please stand fast. Stand fast. I mean, the, the gospel you received, the word that you know, stand fast. Quit being so easily moved aside to, to stuff. We live in a time right now, you guys, where because of social media, because of videos and all this stuff, people with the truth can put the truth out there quickly. And those that are telling lies can tell lies really quickly. And, and it's, it's in your ear and in your face. Some things become very trendy. I mean, it's like, oh, that person's very trendy and, and cool. And, and, and they say spiritual stuff, but it's off. And before you know it, you're listening to enough of that stuff to be taking it in and, 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 and having your mind changed from what you already knew to be true. I've, I've known people that used to believe the truth. And then they, they kind of come, they kind of come to another conclusion about things. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so sure of that anymore. What happened? Why are you not so sure anymore? What were you listening to that made you unsure? You didn't stand fast. Um, you got to stand fast. You can't be, when, once I know the truth, I got to stand fast with the truth. It will be challenged. I live in a day and an age where the truth will be challenged. It must be. And so I want to be, and you need to be sharpening ourselves up. You know, Peter said in his letter that you want to be able to give an answer to every man for the hope that's in you, um, with with I think it was, it was grace um, or it, it's with you know gracious speech, but we want to be able to give an answer. I want to be able to answer back. Someone says, "Well, the Bible's been changed fifty times for real." I, I, I love when people say stuff like that because I know one thing off the top: you haven't studied, so you know I can take them back. What, 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 you know, so the whole Bible's been changed. Wow, wow. Do you, you know where'd you get that from, or where's it been changed from? Because because they found a copy of the original book of Isaiah. Have you heard about that? It's called the Great Sea Scrolls or the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then when they took it and they looked at it and compared to what we got, guess what? Same book. Didn't change. None. Where you get that from? You know? And I wouldn't talk to people like that, be a smart aleck, but but maybe I would, but maybe not. So <laughs> you know, but you know, it's like, okay, well, I, I want to give an answer to that. So now, so now what? Now that's not true. Now it hasn't been changed a whole bunch of times. 
We got we actually have the original text in, in Hebrew and Greek. We can study it and read it and learn from it. And so on and on and on, there'll be things that are challenged. You know, no, you know, Jesus didn't really resurrect the grave. You know, the disciples took him. And, really? really? No, no, that's not true. Where'd you get that from? Who told you that? Because every lie was told by somebody. That's my favorite question. Who told you that? You know, when, when, when Eve, when God came and talked to Eve after she had eaten the tree, and, you know, she had said, well, you know, I know that, you know, the, 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 know that the day we eat it, Satan told her. And the day you eat it, you become like God, you become wise. And God found him. And where are you? And, and that was a question. Like, who told you that? Where'd you get that information from? Eve? been talking to the devil. Got bad information. Who told you that? It's a great question to ask somebody with heresy. Where'd you get that from? Sometimes we act like the burden is on us. When somebody's lying on God, for real, where'd you get that from? I love to see the source. Where'd you get that? Where'd you hear that? That untruth. Doesn't the Bible say? No, no. Where, where did it? Where, can you show me where it says that? We'd love to read that. We'd love to see where the Bible says that right there because it doesn't say it. But you can't say that unless you know your Bible, right? Well, we got to be in the book ourselves. Not so we can be arrogant and cocky, but I need to know my truth because if the truth that I know is going to be getting challenged, I need to know it. I need to be confident. I need to be. I can't be steadfast with a truth that I don't really know. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, if you don't know something that you look like you can waver. I'm not sure. If you get pressed real hard, you either have to get out of the argument, scream at him and, you know, act unchristian or, you know, or you might start listening a whole lot. Got to know what we believe in. And so um, I continue to challenge and encourage us as a church to read your Bibles, be at church, come to Bible study, read, study, learn, grow. Know this book. If there's a goal for every Christian, I think every Christian, we ought to know our book. Know it. I mean, I want to know the book. I want to know the doctrines of the book. I want to know because in knowing this book, guess who I get to know? Who's the author of the book? I get to I know God better. The more of this book I know, the better I know my God. I know what he loves. I know what he hates. I know what he wants. I know what he doesn't want. I know what he blesses. I know what he punishes. How do you know that? Because I've been reading his book and he's showing me and he's revealing himself. He's revealing himself through his book. So the more time we spend here meditating, reading, soaking it in, listening to studies, taking in the word of God, you're going to know God better and better and better. And there'll be things that you just know. I just know that about God. I see it all over the Bible. The spirit will bring up to remembrance. The spirit will actually bring remembrance to stuff that you've read and taken in. But the spirit can't bring the remembrance which you ain't never read. So, so we got to sow it in. And then God's spirit will bring it to remembrance when you need it. There'll be times you in a conversation. You haven't read that in two years. But it comes to your remembrance like you just read it yesterday. Oh, yeah. Because at, and then you just whoop. You can tell it. Now we got phones. I can remember a phrase of a verse and just say it in my phone and it comes up. Now I got the reference. I look like a scholar. Uh, thank you, Google, you know. So moving on. So we're, we're, we're to watch steadfast, stand fast in the faith. Then it said be brave. That was interesting. Um, the, the idea of the be brave is to, is to, it's, it's to, it's, it's part of it is, is, the, is, is, is um, one of the phrases is to, to act like a man. Um, to, to, to be brave, to stand your ground, but like a man. And now it's not telling, it's, it's just to the women too. It's, it's saying, you know, be brave, you know, sh- show yourself. It's almost, almost like being, being manly, being brave, standing firm in a position. And so God said, I, I want you to be brave. Why do you got to be brave to be a Christian? And I'm going to tell you this. A lot of Christians aren't brave, not brave enough to share with people, not brave enough to speak up when they should speak up. It's, it's a matter of when you think of bravery, you think of someone that just is, I, I won't let fear keep me from doing the right thing. Someone that's brave. I'm going to do the right thing, even though it might cost me. It might cause me injury. It might 
cost me something, but I'm going to, that's bravery is saying, I, in the face of that, I'm going to go anyway. It's a brave person. Spiritually brave person, someone that says, man, this might cost me these friendships. This, this might cost me that, that, that person in my job that might be a, give me a hookup on that situation. And that, it might hinder that. Be brave, right? As you have opportunity, be brave. You stand for the truth. You live out the truth. You be brave and do the right thing. Will it always be easy? No, but God says, Paul has given them these closing admonitions. I want you to be brave. Can't be, you can't be cowards in this day and age in which we're living. You won't make it. You won't, you won't be able to be the kind of man or woman God wants you to be. You got to be brave. Sometimes you're going to stand up to people you love. Some of you parents need to be brave in your ministry to your own kids. Some parents cower to their own kids. Like they know in their heart that I need to not allow this. And it's like, but I'm gonna, they're going to get mad at me. What kind of mess is that? That, but that happens. I love you guys, but it's true. There are parents that, like, I don't want them to, they're going to be mad. They're going to get upset. Yeah, it's all right. That's, they, you should be used to that by now. You ain't been parenting right. That's, that's part of the program. They're going to be mad sometimes. They'll be okay because they'll grow up. This is what's going to happen. So your little mad kids, they'll grow up. One day they'll grow up and they'll be like, Mom, thank you so much because cause you held your ground. You were brave. You didn't, you didn't punk out. You didn't cower to me. You parented me. So going to happen you parents that are cowering, trying to be your, your kids' friends. They're going to they're gonna grow up, outgrow you, and disrespect you because you've never been respectable. And then when they look back at how you're parenting, they're going to not respect that either. Because they'll grow up and know you should have did better than what you did. So all you friend parents, it, 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 it may look well for right now. You get to be a teeny bopper with them, but it doesn't pay off in the end. And I, 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 I have both. And I, I can say that from, 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 from knowledge. It, 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 it doesn't pay off in the end. Be a parent. Be brave. Hold your ground. Tell them no. You know, don't allow everything. Do what's right for your kids, man. Don't, don't, don't let them. If, if God wanted them to parent themselves, he wouldn't have put you over them and commanded them to obey you. So they need it. They need it. And that's not in my notes, so I know somebody here needed that. So God bless you. Be brave. Then he said, be strong. Um, same thing. They're almost synonymous. Be brave. That's a matter of your character that I won't cower, I won't fold, I won't, I won't bow out. Be strong. That's a matter of your doing. So it's, a, it's one thing to have the, the character and the nature of being brave. I will not let fear stop me. Now being strong is now I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to do the things that God has given me to do in his strength. I'm going to I'm going to move forward in those things that God has given me to do. So watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be strong. I mean, be brave. Be strong. And the last exhortation in this section is let all let everything that you do be done. With love. Don't forget that. Don't forget to do everything you do in love. Do you love God? Let that be the thing that moves you and motivates you. Do you love your brothers and sisters? Let that be the thing that motivates you to do the right thing. Love, right? When you think about love, love, biblical love is active. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's not something you feel. Love is always active. Love is always moving people to do something. So when God says, I want, let everything you do be moved through love, right? If I love somebody, will I, will I, will I withhold the truth from them if I love them? No. We're telling the truth because I love them. Love will motivate me to do the right thing for people. Love will motivate me to do what God will require. Love sometimes is going to motivate you to be forgiving when you need to be forgiven. That, that I love you, therefore I'm, I'm just going to let that go. Right? Because the Bible said love covers what? Most of the sins. Now, you offended me so bad, but I love you. So I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let it go. Because I love you. Let, 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 let everything you do be done through love. If that could mark everything we do, everything we do will look a little different. Um, it should mark the Christian church. It should mark the Christian marriage. It should mark Christian parenting and household. It should mark the Christian community at, 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 overall. 
that we do all these things. Now, I want you to catch the combo, right? Because these other things seem real strong, right? Saying, saying, I want you to watch. Be vigilant and watchful, but, but, but do that with love. Because some people can get watchful and vigilant, no love. First Corinthians touches on how the city of Corinth was rampant with idolatry and immorality, not too different from cities of today. Does this mean that you run away and isolate yourself from the sinful world? No, but Paul's letter did communicate that as a Christian, it's important to live a life that's upright and pure before God, even in the midst of a dark and sinful world. When the pressure is great, your opportunity to contrast the dark with light can be even greater. How does one do this with all the influences pressing in? Keep looking to the Word of God for direction in all things. If you're seeking some assistance with where to read, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to joining Pastor Bill again next time right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word